Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Well, just as predicted, Monday night football, a bit of a wet slog, but still pretty entertaining between the Eagles and the Chiefs. We welcome you to another edition of Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alfred and Ray Flowers hanging out with you, powered, of course, by FantasyGuru.com. And yesterday, Ray, Ryan Clifford joined us to talk some DFS between the Chiefs and and the uh, Eagles. I think he, he favored the Chiefs ever so slightly. Um, obviously, the Eagles came out ahead, but uh, we did see a quiet evening for the most part. I know a lot of the talking is about the Chiefs side and how that offense continues to kind of misfire. Uh, but even on the Eagles side, Ray, outside of DeAndre Swift, maybe Devonta Smith. I mean, gosh, A.J. Brown, one catch for eight yards like that. That is getting shut down if you're A.J. Brown. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, that was not, uh, it wasn't a bad game per se, and it was close, right? But, uh, it was there, actually an entertaining game. I kind of yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. There, there were mistakes all over the place. There were poor performances. There were nice performances. I mean, it was kind of an encapsulation of what we've seen this season in the NFL level, right? There were some things we really liked, some things we really didn't like, some things we enjoyed watching, some things that we really didn't. Yeah. Uh, probably didn't enjoy watching that Chiefs offense in the uh, victory. We will uh, delve into the Kansas City Chiefs, who we've kind of been talking about it all year. But I guess after last night and the effort on Monday Night Football, more people are now seeing what the Chiefs have actually produced this season instead of what their reputation is. So a lot on that Monday Night Football game, obviously. Uh, we'll start to tick into uh, some news and notes. It's kind of wild going into Week 12. We have multiple spots. We're like four or five days out. We have no idea who the quarterbacks are for other teams. Uh, so we're trying to figure that out as we go into a new week. Uh, waiver wire discussion coming your way. A lot of names that uh, are addable as we go down the stretch here in the fantasy football season. Additionally, it's a Tuesday. We like to uh, check in with our friend Justin Finsterman. We'll talk some NBA with him. And a little bit of baseball. The uh, brand new Hall of Fame ballot is out, uh, which I don't know if you looked at this, Ray. Uh, but we've gotten to a point where, like, I, I was going through the list, and there's, I don't know, maybe a dozen new names. There's a lot of holdovers from last season. It, it's really a ballot, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, that is so heavy in good players. Like, there's a lot of good players from the early 2000s, and guys who probably at some point within their career, you said, oh, yeah, Chase Utley's going to be a Hall of Famer, or, yeah, David Wright, he, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, or Carlos Beltran. All those guys, Ray, are kind of hoping and praying as we get set for Hall of Fame voting, I guess. Yeah, and I think that there, there's an interesting shift occurring in baseball, right? There's been the shift away from everyone that is believed to have done PDs, whether they did or didn't, whether it was legal or illegal. A lot of those guys are just out. Uh, and then there's the group of players that are kind of given the boost of, well, you didn't do PEDs. Again, we don't know who did what when. None of us have any idea, but we've all made arbitrary assessments on these players. So then there's that second level of player that was quote unquote clean, who was never the best player at their position, who was never yeah. looked at as, as a Hall of Famer. But in retrospect, it's like, well, if they were doing it clean and no one else was, then you've got the group of players like a Chase Utley, who for five or six years was great. But yeah. is that peak enough when you look at the totality of their career? So it's always fascinating to see how this goes and it's ever evolving. Um, I, you know, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I kind of wish baseball would just put everyone in that deserves to be in and PEDs or not, because we didn't know, but uh, we're kind of in that limbo zone. We're still dealing with some of those players at this point. Yeah, uh, the biggies, though, are kind of off the ballot. They're forgotten. A-Rod and Bonds and Schilling and all these guys, so we shall see. But uh, some big names on there, and to Ray's point, a lot of guys with about a five-year run where they were studs, but then maybe on the very front or the last five, six years of their career, they kind of fumbled it away, if you will, and making the Hall of Fame. Hey, it's a hell of an honor. It's an incredible honor. So these guys are all good players, but uh, are they Hall of Fame worthy is kind of the question. Uh, we will find out probably, uh, what is it, a month and a half, two months from now, uh, who will be in that 2024 class. Ray and I will talk about it today. As always, we remind you, uh, chat us up, uh, whether you're on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, if you're uh, following us, watching us live, uh, we love to hear from you guys. If you got any questions, any quandaries, Ray and I are here to help. FSD20, 20% off of everything when you sign up at fantasyguru.com. So do check that out as we go through the day. If uh, there are things that you're saying, hey, that Justin guy's pretty bright, which isn't said often. But if you believe that, 
Uh, you can sign up for the NBA package. We'll be telling you about that NBA MVP package a bit later. Okay, Ray, let's jump into Monday Night Football. Let's get rolling. And I will start with, I got to say, maybe the most surprising stat of the week. Maybe of the season. I don't know. I saw this last night, and I'll just repeat it here today. The Kansas City Chiefs are dead last in the NFL in second half scoring. Ray, they have scored five touchdowns all year in the second half. All of them are passing touchdowns. They, they don't have a rushing touchdown in the second half. And, and again, this has kind of been going on for a while, Ray. Last night, it's, it's vaulted to the top of, of people's frame of reference because everybody's watching that game. It's a huge matchup with Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a great defense. You know, if last night were just last night, Ray, you'd say, well, gosh, they ran into a buzzsaw of a defense. But it really just shined a light on what's been an issue all year for this Kansas City offense. Yeah, according to Opta Stats, um, this is the first time in NFL history that a multi-time MVP has had his team go scoreless in the second half in three straight games. Hmm. Uh, in addition to what you were talking about being a trend, it's it's not just short-term, it's longer-term. And, you know, Andy Reid is famous for adjustments. And Patrick Mahomes is famous for being Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is really weird. Um, you you watch – I mean, look, this is this offense has been dysfunctional. We've said it since last year. I mean, really, we have. We've talked about the fact that every, on any given week, they can beat you in a myriad of ways. But where is the consistent theme? The consistent theme is just, you know, May, Mahomes and Kelsey save us. And last night they got the rushing. Pacheco looked good. He was ripping off runs, you know, getting first downs, all that kind of stuff. And they had, what, 19 drop passes last night? Like, oh, my God. Like, Kelsey's dropping passes. Watson's dropping passes. MBS is dropping passes. Like, they could have easily still won this football game. Easily yeah. won this football game. Um, and when you're when you're Mahomes and you're doing everything you can, and, I mean, we were – I was – it was 165 yards. What is it on? 43 passes for DTR. I think it's what it was, and I made fun of him. Mahomes had 177 on 43. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. So – there's a lot of blame to go around, but I think, you know, we got to start with guys got to catch a football, Kyle. Yeah. Well, and, and those wide receivers, Ray, this is something we talked about uh, weeks ago. Kansas City has made this choice. And these are tough decisions you have to make. When you're paying Patrick Mahomes what he is getting, the, the decisions get much more difficult. You give a big contract to Chris Jones. Kelsey's making what he makes. You have to go cheap somewhere. And, Ray, the, the bet the Chiefs have made, and I would say it's mostly work because they've been making this bet for four or five years now. But last night was an example of an absolutely failing. They have made a bet on mediocre and unproven wide receivers. Mediocre would be the guys who've been in the league for three or four years and haven't really done anything. Justin Watson. Mark Hesdell, this Scantling, you know, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. The unproven would be, you know, Justin Watson or Rasheed Rice. And, and Ray, last night that bit them. And it wasn't, hey, Travis Kelsey was dropping passes too, and maybe some of this had to do with the weather. You know, it was a wet football, but they change out the football every damn play. It's not like it's a it's a you know twenty pound pig they're trying to catch anymore. I mean, the fo football is constantly freshened up. But Ray, with these receivers, um, and and the question every year we talk about this in fantasy, who's the guy? And and I remember like four weeks ago, n not you, I not me, but reading in a lot of spots, it was Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice is making that ball. Look at the snap count. Look at this game. Look at this moment. Ray, he's just been another chief receiver. And everybody keeps hoping and wishing one of these guys becomes like legit or becomes Tyreek Hill. It's just not happening. And we're through about a dozen guys, Ray. <laughs> I feel like every year you add them all up over the previous two, three years, there's all of these guys that people are promoting with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. It's just not a thing. We, we need to stop begging and just understand the reality of this offense. It's Mahomes. It's Kelsey. And then it's whatever else is open. There is no guy that they are focusing on in this offense outside of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and, you know, when you come out of the bye, right, and Andy Reid's famous for it. We talked about it. We talked about the Ryan Clifford yesterday. Coming out of the bye, let's get some solution here. The solution is to have the guy run the most routes, the guy get the most snaps, and the guy have double targets of everyone else be Justin Watson. That's the solution. Justin Watson, by the way, had three drops last night. Why is Rasheed Rice not a bigger part of this offense? I don't get it. He gets the ball in his hands. He looks good. He looks fast. He looks sharp. He takes good angles. Like, he's the guy you drafted to be the guy. How is Justin Watson leading your receiving room? And if he is, you've got an even bigger problem than all the things we've already discussed. Because as we saw again last night, he ain't it. 
Mm-hmm. He is a support piece at best. You can't force him to be something. So I wish they would make Rice into something. I don't know why they are, they didn't try harder coming out of the break. But this is a continuation of what they did last season. We talked about it over and over again. Their best receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster last year. They didn't have a returning wide receiver that caught 50 passes last year. Juju Smith-Schuster's basically out of football right now. His knees are shot. He can't even you know catch passes for the Patriots. They've got nothing. And that was that was the, the, the winning move last year for the, the Chiefs. And I don't know. I mean – you, when you have these financial considerations, you're right, Kyle. You have to make tough choices, and I think that doing what they have chosen to do with the receiving core, as you said correctly, has worked. But it's bit them. It's finally catching up. And at this point in time, I don't know how we can expect it to change. And so this team is good. This team's a threat to win any football game they're in. But it's just not a fantasy bonanza. And there are games where they struggle where they really shouldn't. Well, and, and their whole offense, Ray, is mostly dictated on uh, Patrick Mahomes finding Travis Kelsey over the middle. You know, that, that's really the go-to play. Uh, when they need a moment, they're looking at Travis Kelsey. And so the job is let's clear out the middle so Travis Kelsey can work the middle. You know, that's kind of what they're – and they're very different from other NFL teams because other NFL teams do not have Travis Kelsey. What the Chiefs have then is like five receivers mm-hmm. who to me, Ray, are kind of all the same. You know, I know one guy is maybe the better deep threat, one guy – but they're, they're just there. And we're trying to work in Tony. We're trying to work in Hardman. We're trying to work in Rice. You know, here's Justin Watson. Here's MVS. And, and these guys, I almost feel, no, they're not selecting just two. You know, if we had just two receivers, then, okay, we can work on certain routes. We can run certain routes. We can, we can have a bigger route tree. Like with Rice, I, I don't think they're asking him to do more. They're, they're saying, hey, here's your five best routes, buddy. Let's just run these all game long and teams catch on to that. And sure, they may get beat on occasion by one of these guys, but overall teams just don't fear these dudes. You know, there, there's not that that threat. I, I'm sorry, Rice is not that threat. Tony is not that threat. MBS is not that threat. These are all guys, Ray, who on a normal NFL team, I think that would all be third receivers. Mm-hmm. Like really. <laughs> and, 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 and I want it known, this doesn't mean the Chiefs can't win. Right. But last night's an example of when it goes bad. It's bad. You, you, Kelsey wasn't sharp. You were playing a good defense. The weather didn't help. And nobody stepped up at these receiver spots. They just didn't. And, you know, even with Kelsey, Ray, we're now at a point, I think seven of the nine games he's played this year, he's been under 70 yards. Um, now he's getting the touchdowns and that's covering everything, but the yardage is way off for Travis Kelsey this season. I, I mean, he's, I'm looking at it now, 10 yards a catch. What does that mean? That is a 20% drop from his career average. Not from like last year, the his career average. He's a 12 and a half. And, and that may not sound like much, Ray, but that kind of speaks to teams are catching on to what the game plan is. And a guy like Kelsey is not getting near as open, nor running over near as many defenders as he's used to doing year after year. Well, you know, when you have, and I'm not saying that anyone's resting on their laurels, but when you have a great player like Travis Kelsey, a historic player at his position, there's a lot of confidence there, right? We'll get the ball and he'll do it. And, you know, at some point there, you lose a little giddy up, you lose that little extra and you start to pull back to the pack a little bit. And, you know, I, there has been a lot made, including by our co-host, co-buddy, Jeff Manns, about the fact that, you know, Travis Kelsey has become world famous for everything he does other than play football at this point. He's every third commercial is, is yeah. Kelsey. He's dating the most famous woman on the planet. Like all this stuff. It's like, where are we at in the football field? And maybe all of that is just white noise and it doesn't really matter. Maybe it is just, hey, I'm getting in my 30s and I'm starting to lose a little bit here. But I think the, the the larger takeaway for me is the fact that, you know, I, I've said this many times this season about the Packers. It's Watson, it's Dubs, it's Toure, it's Wicks, it's the, it, it Reed. Like, every like what the hell's going on? Every guy's getting targets. Every guy's running routes. And I'm like, you know, when you're Jordan Love, your goal shouldn't be to go into a game and complete passes to 10 guys. In theory, that's great. But in reality, it doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. The Chiefs are the same thing. Like you said, they're not interchangeable in terms of like MVS and Hardman are totally different players. But they're interchangeable in terms of targets. They're interchangeable in terms of routes they're running, even though they run different kinds of routes. And at some point, you, as much as you want to pose, you know, problems to your defense, you got to know what you do well. They know it's Kelsey, like you said. Mm-hmm. Where's the receiving piece? You can't have five or six guys trying to fill where we need two or three. That's a problem for the Chiefs. 
And and it can work. I mean, again, the Chiefs have kind of been doing this for three or four years, and we've seen the success in the Super Bowl titles. So this is not saying it can't work, but this year has been much different from previous years. Right now, how about this one? The Chiefs are 14th in points this year. <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> so there's another thing. That's a team. And, like, their defense is top five. So this has had a big swing from what they have usually been. Uh, they have failed to top 21 points in six of 10 games this season. So again, last night kind of encapsulated everything going on with the Chiefs. And it's it's not, you know, hey, you're finished, you're done. I will say, Ray, if you drafted Pat Mahomes as your first QB, probably wish you would have gone Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't, you know, he didn't have big numbers last night, but two touchdowns, rushing. And Ray, that number now, I mean, check this out. He's up to 32 rushing touchdowns since the start of 2021. So it's two and a half years of football. It's about mm -hmm. 40 games, 32 rushing touchdowns. That I don't care if you're a running back or a quarterback. That's insane. The level of production people are getting from Jalen Hurts and the uh, rushing attack, if you want to call it that. Like, I, I'd love to see of those 32, Ray how many are one or two yards, right? <laughs> it's got to be half of them, at least, I would think. He had the one nice run last night for the score. Then he had the worst play in football, the tush push, which is, again, I hope they outlawed. It's just terrible. We've talked about that previously. The, the real negative, though, to him being so great at that is the you know fact that it really holds down the backfield for the Eagles because they're, sh they're legitimately sharing any opportunities at best, if not in the minority with those you know, opportunities inside the five-year line. So it's nice to see DeAndre Swift get in the end zone last night. Uh, being an RB1 without really scoring touchdowns is a pretty impressive feat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hertz is just and – he, he's had the knee injury he's played through and all that, and, and he didn't do anything in the air. He threw for 150 yards. And how often does a quarterback go for 150 and zero? And at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, okay. Like, it was still an okay <laughs> effort, and that goes to what you're saying about how he's just been remarkable with his legs. Both those guys wish they could be Tommy DeVito in Week 11. <laughs> yeah, Tommy exactly. DeVito just lightened things up. Yeah. And, and again, both both teams are powerhouses. Both teams are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, but, but I think last night is a reminder of what the Chiefs try to do, even what the Eagles try to do. And both defenses brought it last night. And like I said, it was a fun game, an enjoyable game. I, I don't want to say, oh, it's over the Chiefs offense. But, hey, we're 11 weeks in now. And there's a very mediocre offense uh, consistently over the course of the season. For the Eagles, it's been pretty good. Uh, Fantasy-wise, hey, A.J. Brown, kind of a bum. But when you did something for – five, six straight weeks that's ever been done in the NFL. We'll, we'll allow one catch for eight yards. We'll, we'll Will we? I hope so. Are people moaning about it? <laughs> well, I had someone on Twitter say they knew this was going to happen. I'm like, no, you didn't. Stop. No, <laughs> one you for didn't. eight. No, you didn't. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to say the matchup was difficult and Snead and all. Yeah, but yeah. five catches, four catches, 47 yards, like something. Like the fact yeah. he had two points, that's pretty remarkable. Okay, moving away from Monday Night Football, it's already time to start thinking about uh, Week 12. Uh, we're going to get to the waiver wire here in just a bit. Um, already a couple of questions uh, coming in. Uh, we got a trade question here, so I guess some people are still thinking trades. Um, let's see, PPR League, there you see it. Mixon for Pittman. Um, our questioner would be getting Mixon. Like, on the surface, Ray, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I I am not all that enthused about trading for Mixon the week after Joe Burrow is out for the season. Like, it, that's just such an uncertain situation. Mixon, even with Burrow, has not been good. You know, he's getting carries, and hey, I love quantity, but let's call a spade a spade. Joe Mixon has not done anything on the ground this year. He's getting a lot of work, but he's kind of Najee Harris right now. And, and I look at the questioner, Ray, the other running backs, you know, Javante Williams, Brian Robinson, Najee Warren. I don't think you need Mixon. I don't think Mixon really improves that running back field. It just adds another possibility. It probably just adds more confusion to your decision each and every week. This is a, I think this is a fair question to ask, and I think it's a fair trade to accept or decline, which is interesting because usually it's, you know, there's some definitive area. I would look at it this way. I see Palmer here, and I also see Terry asking, is Palmer still worth holding? If you don't have the IR spot, Josh Palmer probably should have been let go two weeks ago. Like, I don't yeah. – holding an injured receiver for at least a month through all these important weeks with buys and injuries is, is not advisable. We've heard many reports suggesting that Palmer's going to be out longer than four weeks anyway. 
So I'd be moving on from Palmer. So we have to, I think, exclude him from thinking he's a, a usable piece right here. So we've got McLaurin, Evans, and Pittman. That 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 really works, right? Dobbs mm-hmm. are fourth. Okay, you know, he's in and out, and he really needs to score a touchdown to do something. But okay, that all works. But if you get Pittman away, now we're at Evans, McLaurin, and Dobbs, and that's we only have three wide receivers. The third mm-hmm. one is just as likely to get seven targets as he is to get three in an offense that so that gets you thin there. And at the running back spot, Warren and Harris, you can at least use one, one of them, right? If not both, depending on your setup. Javante Williams is a running back two, in my opinion. Brian Robinson, as we talked about on the show yesterday, is a running back one. So yeah, I don't, I think given the way the team is constructed, I could accept the trade. I could pass on the trade. Uh, I probably would just keep Pittman though, because I am concerned yeah. about that receiving core. We don't know if you start three receivers or two, but I'm a little concerned about that receiving core, Kyle. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a thumbs down on the deal. I mean, if you're trading for Mixon now, it's because you have to have an RB2. I'm already seeing RB2s here. Yeah, that's true. With Michael's team. So, I, again, I just think Mixon, it makes it more confusing because then every week you've just added another name. I'd rather have less names, fewer names, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's a fair trade. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's a fair it's trade. It just doesn't trade. fit for the mm-hmm. roster construction. So, appreciate the call, Michael. Um, speaking of roster construction, QB news, a lot of it today. Uh, Jets announced Tim Boyle's going to be the guy. He's starting at QB. Marcus, or excuse me, Marcus Simeon. Trevor Simeon is going to be the backup. And, Ray, that means Zach Wilson will be your third QB, your emergency QB, coming up on Black Friday against the Dolphins. How quickly those opinions of Robert Sala changed. Like, just like that. He's he's gone from number one to number three on the depth chart. And, and you know, I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and in the locker room. Apparently, the, the, apparently what we're hearing, right, is no one likes – Zach Wilson, everyone's tired of his act. No one thinks he's any good, and it's time to move on. You move on to Tim Boyle? Like, come on, man. Like, Tim Boyle's not good. He's not more talented. He's not the future. There's nothing there. And then, like you're saying, to put him third, so he's basically going to be inactive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's the emergency quarterback. Ooh, I mean, how do you come back from that? He's done, right? He's done yeah, with this organization. That they made the choice. And, okay, that's fine. And we talked about this yesterday with Pickett and, and Wilson. I, I get I totally – I'm not apologist for Zach Wilson. I just find it crazy to think that, you know, a guy that was keeping your team, at least keeping the team in football games, you know, getting 12 passes a week to your number one wide receiver is now just an afterthought, not even part of your team. It's wild. Yeah, he's uh, Zach Wilson has gone the way of Josh Rosen. And, and Zach Wilson's been given more opportunities than Josh Rosen ever was. But uh, and, and he'll end up somewhere else. You know, teams will take a shot, get him out in New York, maybe a change of scenery. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's done with the Jets. Uh, New England, yet to name their starting quarterback for Week 12. Don't know that anybody should care, but we'll see. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Cleveland's going to go with Dorian Thompson-Robinson again for Week 12. Uh, let's see. Uh, Atlanta is going to go with Desmond Ritter for the remainder of the season. I, I think somebody got into Arthur Smith's ear and said, hey, we need to figure out what, what we got with this guy. You know, because Ray – Heineke, okay, is he better? I, I've always argued not really. He makes just as many mistakes as Ritter. Maybe Heineke gives you a bit more ceiling. But Atlanta's got to figure this out. All teams do. It's like what Green Bay is doing with Jordan Love. you got to figure out if there's a future here. So you got to play these guys. I'm glad to see Atlanta saying, yeah, Ritter's back for Week 12. They are saying, okay, remainder of the season. We'll see. But Ritter is set to be back under center for the Falcons. Yeah, and the Atlanta experience continues. It doesn't matter who their quarterback is, really, right? Their offense is going to yeah. operate basically the same. The likely production is basically the same. I, you know, I, I think there's a lot that can be said about the choices the coaching staff is making, the players they have under center, all that kind of stuff. Like you said, this is them saying, and I, I just find it odd the way it's played out. They're saying it's not just this week, it's the rest of the season for Ritter. Then why'd you take him out? Like two weeks doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Like that did oh, nothing. For Arthur me. Smith was like, he's figured out things. Yeah. We sat down in the lot. We sat down and did a bunch of things we hadn't been doing all season long because we hadn't coached him for the last 12 months. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that's the commitment they're making. And it's uh, likely to be more of the same. Let's just hope they continue. One thing that was more of the same, which was 20 plus touches last time to BJ Robinson. Keep that going on. More QB news. Derek Carr is still in concussion protocol. Uh, Saints were off last week, but uh, we'll see for Derek Carr in week 12. That would be Jameis Winston, if no Derek Carr. Uh, Geno Smith, not dealing with any structural issues in his elbow. Um, it's more of a bruise. Um, I, I hate to say it's a bruise. It's probably a little more severe than that, but it, it looks like he's going to have a chance to play on Thursday. Um, and one other bit of news, uh, regarding quarterbacks, Ray is uh, Pittsburgh. You talked about Kenny Pickett yesterday and how awful he's been. No real growth. Uh, finally Steeler fans who have actually been 
wanting this move for like two years. Uh, Matt Canada, the much maligned and much discussed offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Ray, he has been fired. So uh, the Steelers have made that move. Uh, what was it? A week ago, Buffalo's making the move. And it's like, well, I kind of get it, but it's weird. This one, Ray, writing has been on the wall for a long time with Matt Canada. He has been on the hot seat for a very, very long time. I guess Mike Tomlin just finally decided to uh, lisper, uh, uh, listen to the yells, if you will, and make that move. The problem is you got a new guy calling plays. I, I don't know if there's going to be a difference really for the, the Steelers or for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I love the video that's circulating now. It's a short clip of uh, Canada getting all pumped up after the game and hugging people and Chris Boswell, the kicker, walking by and saying, we didn't win that one because of you. Like, it's it's pretty great. It's pretty great. And then, and then it was something like, we didn't win that one because of you. I'm pretty sure of that. Like, it wasn't – it was a double comment. Um, clearly, they needed to make a change here. I think the change you need to make is at quarterback, though. And this goes back to what we were just talking about with Zach Wilson. Like, you could – you how do you fire the franchise quarterback? How do you move on from the fran- – that's – you fire that OC, right? That's what they do. Mm-hmm. I think this is uh, the first coach fired by the Steelers since 1941 in season. Wow, really? Yeah, Holy I saw God. that. It's a remarkable. That's World War II, like remarkable. <laughs> um, so this is not something that's commonplace. But they're you know six and four, and they're hanging on a, hanging by a thread. Uh, I really do wish that they would make a change of quarterback. I don't think they're going to do that. I think mm-hmm. that Trubisky, for all his faults, is a is a better option for the offense. But hopefully now we can at least get back to the point where Deontay Johnson who has been a thing for about four years now, catching passes, can get back to catching passes after basically being phased out of the offense the last couple of weeks. It it was almost like seven, eight days ago, Ray. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at that week 10 game for the Steelers, and it was 36 rushes to 24 runs. And I said, just do that. That that should be your game plan. And then they go up against Cleveland and they're throwing again. Stop it. Ray, you've got two running backs. I know everybody complains about Najee Harris. They want Jalen. Why aren't both these guys, like seriously, at this point in the season, both these guys should get 15 carries a week. And you might say, well, that makes your 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 offense one-dimensional. How are you going to – you're already – what nobody fears, Kenny Pickett. You might as well just pound the rock. And whether you go three and out or you have seven play drives, like I get it. It's not the most exciting way to play football. But, Ray, that's going to be winning football for the Steelers. The less throwing from Pickett, the better for this offense. Yeah, and I mean not that it's the same thing because there are different levels of skill players, the different person calling the plays. But the Niners have no problem giving the ball 25 times a week to CMC on the ground. They got no problem yeah. doing that. Now, should they be doing that for his health long term? Well, we'll see. But yeah, you know, going into a game saying we want to throw the ball 28 times, 15 carries for Harris, 15 carries for Warren. Why is that a problem? That is what they should be doing. And this is another team. They've got Pickens and they've got Deontay Johnson. What do they have behind those guys to catch passes? Allen Robinson, the ghost of Allen Robinson. You know, guys like Austin, who's, you know, and Boykin, who the hell are those guys? So, yeah, I think that that would be a great plan. And if it's executed properly, like a lot of teams in the NFL do with this kind of offense, 30 passes, 30 rushes, you can have success doing that. Some other injury news on this Tuesday. Justin Jefferson uh, in danger of missing a seventh straight game. Now, he's been at practice. Vikings are still refusing to say, yeah, he's good enough to play. So we don't know for week 12. Um, I think he would have to play by week 13. I think that 21-day window would be up uh, by the time we get to week 13. But a lot of people thought he'd be back by now. He is not not clear, not out, still kind of just uh, hanging out in this uh, limbo with Justin Jefferson. Cooper Cup, uh, we did get word from the Rams. It is a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. So he's going to be day-to-day. Talked about Geno Smith, also Kenneth Walker. Seahawks play Thursday night, Thanksgiving night against San Francisco. Walker, as expected, Uh, Did not practice on Monday. It was an estimated practice report with the quick turnaround. So we'll see today. Uh, A couple of other things. Green Bay. Christian Watson limited with a shoulder. Luke Musgrave out with an abdomen. A.J. Dillon didn't practice with a growing injury. Aaron Jones didn't practice with a knee injury. Right now, Ray, the Packers have no healthy running backs with a game coming up in less than two days. Yeah, Eddie Lacy, where you at, boy? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, they're – I mean, I – I don't get the sense that Dylan's going to miss the game, but a groin injury, they got, they've got issues. And so mm-hmm. we'll see if they make some random, you know, street signing or pull someone up off the practice squad. Cause it sounds like they're going to need to. Outside chance, I think is the phrase that John Harbaugh used on Mark Andrews returning for the end of the season, which is good news for the Ravens a playoff team. You know, maybe Andrews could be there, but Ray for fantasy players redraft. You got to move on. Like, if he comes back, it's week 17 or 18, maybe. Um, 
that you just have to get points now. And I, and I know a lot of people are going in the waiver process, Ray, and maybe they hear this news from Harbaugh and they say, well, gosh, maybe I'll hold on to Andrews now. Mm-hmm. It's a tough decision. I get it. And I bet somebody in your league probably picks him up. But if you're a contender and you need points, you, you got to go after another tight end now. And I think Andrews is the easy drop the, tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, I think if you're nine and two or ten and one, I wait a week, see what happens. Okay, but yeah, for most people, it's it, you know, yeah, I think you got to move on. I agree with you. Like when you're talking about an ankle issue, a broken bone is what we're hearing. You know, it's better than we thought. Well, what does that mean? Oh, he's back in week two of the playoffs, right? Like we don't know even what a timeline is. So very tough to hold on to. We talked about Palmer, obviously, be different because he's on the IR. But yeah, I think that in the case of Andrews, it, it's it's fair to move on. Uh, with Dallas Goddard sitting with the Eagles, they still keep hitting. He's going to return early. He's another tight end that you know hasn't been placed on the IR, and people are holding on to him because I think there's a legitimate chance he's back under four weeks too. But at this point of the season, it's really hard to hold on to anybody if you don't have the ability to put that player on an IR spot. The, the obvious ad most people are looking at is Isaiah Likely. And Ray, that name's been in and around fantasy circles uh, for for well over a year now. Mm -hmm. I I get it and I understand it. Um, It's worth noting when he's been given the opportunity, he's been pretty quiet. That's not an extensive history, but he hasn't done much. I mean, even filling in for Andrews last week, he had two targets, no catches Mm -hmm. when Andrews went down. But Ray, I understand when people look at tight ends, that's going to be the the number one name. How... How how much bidding should you do there? I mean, is it 50% of your remaining budget to get a guy at, at tight end who's an unknown? I mean, is there that much upside with likely moving uh, moving forward? Yeah, the crew puts together a trending piece over at fantasyguru.com. And if you're not signed up there, you can use the promo code FSD20 for 20% off all the products, including the football product, which is now $100 if you use the discount coupon for the rest of the season, all the way through the Super Bowl. That includes all regular seasonal uh, football and all DFS football through the Super Bowl, FSD 20. I wrote uh, as part of the crew on Mondays doing that trending piece, I wrote the bit on the Ravens this week and I talked about likely in the article. And I basically said that, you know, yes, there's a role in this offense for likely in place of Andrews. No, he's not built the same. No, he's not likely to be used the same. And to your point, we don't, we just don't know. Right. There is an obvious need for them to establish more. You can't have Nelson Aguilar and, you know, Devin DuVernay and all these you know, Bateman. None of these guys are part of the offense. We've got Beckham hurt. We've got an opportunity. We've got Flowers role who's likely to grow. I think likely probably, if I had to guess, is not as much of a red zone threat as Andrews. And he's probably kept getting five targets a week. And. You know, if one of them's a touchdown, great. If one of them's not, it's really easy to look at likely and say he just kind of falls into the morass. And we talked about this. We've had a lot of tight ends emerge. Musgrove is okay. Uh, Ferguson's emerged. We've had Kincaid emerge recently. Logan Thomas has picked things up. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like, you know, McBride is pop. I don't think anyone should be blowing their budget to add Isaiah likely. I, I was kind of guess like guys like Otten, um, Donald Parham. Mm-hmm. You know, Everett's been injured, but maybe he's back this week. I mean, there are other guys to bid on. I, I would say in general, because it's very tough to put a specific number like this because of all of its need and where you're at. But if I'm bidding on tight ends this week, I, I'm kind of willing to go double on likely versus the other guys. And, and that may be a little too aggressive for you, Ray. But, oh. you know, what I'm getting at is if you're like a $5 bid on Otten, yeah. like a $10 bid on like a $12 bid. I, I think he, he has enough intrigue for me to go to that level. Probably the most available and biggest name available this week, Ray, is Charbonnet with Seattle. Um, Now, we don't know that Kenneth Walker is out for Week 12, but I would call him doubtful. We don't know if he's going to be out for weeks or is it just a singular week. Um, Also, the matchups suck over the next few weeks for Charbonnet. People will be bidding on him, Ray, and they will get excited about this. I don't compare this to like if an injury happens in week six where the lead back goes down and all of a sudden the backup is is adjusted to the number one lead back. Everybody goes crazy. They may do it with Charbonnet. I bet a lot of people zero out their remaining fab to get him, but I don't really like uh, the odds of a payoff if you're going out to get Charbonnet and to use him and to make him a fantasy starter. I I get it. There's not much out there, so you're going to have to do something. I just don't think this is the one I'd want to make a bet on this week. Well, and again, this is, sorry, broken record. This is why you handcuff. And, uh, you know, we say it all the time, even if you don't do it on the draft, even if you don't do it the first couple weeks of the season, we say all the time, when the weeks hit double digits, handcuff your running backs, okay? So if if Charbonnet is on the waiver wire and you're a Walker owner, you blew it, 
Okay. Now that does not mean that like Kyle was talking about, you blow every dollar you have to get, because there are concerns about Walker. How long is it going to be out? As Kyle noted, you've got the Niners, the Cowboys, the Niners, the matchups aren't great. But as we saw last week, they didn't change their offense at all. Mm-hmm. And we've got the concerns about Geno Smith and his arm too. Now there's concerns about health of Smith. There's concerns about how consistent the offense would be if they went to lock, right? So how many, you know, how many of those four-yard, three-yard carries would Charbonnet get if they can't sustain drives? But I think Charbonnet, as we saw, he's got an opportunity to touch the ball 20 times, even in these difficult matchups for as long as Walker is out. So I'd be aggressive with the bidding, but there are certainly roadblocks into adding him and just assuming you're going to be getting running back 12 the rest of the way. Let me throw a list of receivers um, at you. Justin Watson, uh, Khalil Shakir, Rashid Shaheed, Jaden Reed might be available, might. I mean, his ownership's like 30, 40%, I think, in a lot of leagues. Uh, even Jamison Williams with Detroit. Any of those guys stand out from the crowd as you're looking at an ad down the stretch, maybe? Jamison Williams gets two targets a week. I don't care. Um, Shakir has popped, but he's popped because Dawson Knox has been out. When Knox is back, they probably change their offense up and go a lot more two tight ends. So I'd pump the brakes on Shakir. Watson, as we saw last night, can't catch. Um, I don't know. They gave him double digit targets. So there's, you know, there's got to be interest there. Shahid uh, gets three targets a week and catches two of them for 80 yards or catches, you know, two for 12 yards. Like he's all over the map. I think Reed's the most intriguing, though, as I noted earlier, Reed, Watson, Wicks, Dubs. Wow. These guys, I think the last two weeks are all within like two targets of one another. Like they give it to everybody. So I, I would say if I had to put a top three, I would say Reed, Shahid, Watson. And then finally, and I know Casey in our chat room has a question. He's a guy who lost Joe Burrow. A lot of people lost Joe Burrow. In most leagues, Ray, I don't know that there's like, go add this guy. He, he He's a guy who can give you multiple starts down the stretch. Casey wonders, hey, is it just QB bingo? I think it is. It's a tough way to live. But like I'm seeing you know, like cars in the concussion protocol, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew. He mentions Browning as well. I don't know that there's an answer there. You could go down, look at all the available QBs, kind of mix and match the schedules, see where it fits in with your second QB. Like if you really need this, that's the step you have to take. You've yeah, got to sit down there with the schedules and your current QBs and just see who fits. Like, oh, I can play this guy in week 12, then this guy in week 13 and 14. Oh, wow, look, the matchups shift back in the direction here. That's the way to do this. I doubt there's an answer on the waiver wire that you just roll with. I think it's tough because I, I just to say it, I've many times said I don't really love rosters with two quarterbacks, but I've been getting a ton of questions from people, mostly the borough owners the last you know, couple of days, right? Where the wave wire is this. And it's, so it's like, is everyone in every league holding two quarterbacks? Like you have to play your league. My advice of don't hold the second quarterback. If you had to go down to Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew, you should have had a second quarterback. Like it, that's just bleh, like Kyle is saying, I can't believe so many people waste roster spots, but they do. So remember, everyone, play your league. Um, If Carr was healthy, he'd be my choice, but we don't know. He's at the head. He's got the shoulder. Boy, I think that you have to kind of, like Kyle said, unfortunately, kind of play it by matchup. I don't want to do that. The good news is, as we get further along, teams start to fall out. Right? There's less teams involved. You're talking about the playoffs, so you have less competition on the waiver wire. Uh, Boy, I mean, Baker, Mayfield, Gardner, Minshew. like Of those three names, I'd go Minshew because I don't know if Carr is going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel good about Gardner Minshew. You know, when you look at the list of guys, okay, where I would say, okay, if you've got this guy as your lead quarterback, you don't need a backup. It's it's probably not as deep as I thought, Ray, because um, we have not had the buy yet for Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So a Josh Allen owner is still wanting to hold on to his second guy. Lamar Jackson has not had his buy. So you're still holding on to a second quarterback there. But I would say Hertz has had his buy. Mahomes has had his bye. Jared Goff has had his bye. Um, I think you can make the case Brock Purdy's had his bye. Trevor Lawrence has had his bye. Uh, Tua's had his bye. Herbert. Yeah, I, blanket statement. Oh, you don't need a backup quarterback if you have those guys, but you can roll the dice and make the play, right? If you want to move on from your backup and those guys that have already played and had their bye. I, I think you seriously have to think about dropping that second quarterback to get more running back depth, to get the handcuff, to get a fourth or fifth receiver. I, I think you think about that now. 
I think you do. And just to throw a name out there, because I, I, it's come up a lot in questions. I heard it on Jeff's uh, show on Elite Sports, uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 on Sirius XM. Russell Wilson, if he's sitting out there, add Russell Wilson, folks. Like, the Broncos are rolling. Wilson's playing really good football. He's got 19 touchdown passes and four interceptions. I know he's QB 15 or whatever the hell in the season rankings. But the Broncos today versus Broncos in week three are totally different. So if mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's on the waiver wire, I think he's one of those few guys that you could add and you could start and not have to worry about switching in a week or two. Yep. Okay, that is where we stand on football coming out of the, the pretty entertaining game on Monday night between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Good luck to everybody on the waiver wire. We'll have some more news and notes. Remember, games on Thursday, three of them on Thursday. we got a game on Friday as well. So things are going to come fast at you this holiday week. Uh, speaking of coming in fast and hot and excited, it's time now to talk some hoops with Justin Finsterman. Back with us on a Tuesday. Even putting on a button-up. How about that? Usually it's a tank top, but tonight uh, we, we've got a, a button-up from Justin Finsterman. What's the occasion, Jay? You know what, guys? Because it's a good vibe week, holidays, family times. I pretty much grew up in this business with both of you guys. I wanted a good vibe shirt, and come on, a Hawaiian shirt. So I made today Hawaiian shirt day. Ray, I should have told you your whole wardrobe I, is Hawaiian shirts. I should have told you beforehand, but I decided it on the spot. And I wanted to look nice for you guys. I absolutely would have thrown one on, Justin. So you should have told me next yeah. time, Ray. When I wear when when I wear wear my NBA jersey next week, you can wear your Flint Tropics Jackie Moon jersey. <laughs> Love the sexy. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to get into some NBA season-long DFS, all that stuff. Justin does a great job with the DFS coverage, the wagering side, all of that. Uh, you can find it at fancyguru.com, of course. Uh, tonight, what is it, round three or four, I guess, of the play-in tournament? Who cares? Well, I was going to ask, it, has there been any difference for a fantasy player? Or, no. Are these like are stars getting more minutes? or like Is there anything you've drawn from these random nights of the play-in tournament? No, I haven't. I always forget that the tournament's going on. The only thing that helps me remember are the court color schemes. Yeah. That's the that's the only way and I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's the tournament tonight." Because but here's what's going to happen, guys. Watch what happens. In the finals of the tournament, whoever makes it there, someone's going to have a monster night. And I'm going to get hit up in our Discord chat at Fantasy Guru at least five times. It's going to be like when people would ask Ray about Josh Gordon. People are going to be asking me about, why didn't this count towards my fantasy score? That's the one game that does not count for okay. our fantasy teams, that championship game in that tournament. Because that would be an 83rd game, right? Right, That's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think it's made a difference, guys. I don't think it's made an impact. I love innovation, always love that. We have to evolve. But at the same time, I don't see – how this has really made that much of a difference at all. And I'm sure a lot of people, and even analysts who are knee-deep into this, forget that this tournament even exists. Well, I'm a casual fan, and I was talking to my nephew about it, Justin, and it's like, like I'm confused. I think it's dumb. Like, is this? are we saying that, you know, we don't care about – no one cares about the regular season, so we got to gin up some excitement? Are we saying what happens when teams rest players? Do teams rest players during the tournament? Is that, I, is that an issue? Has anyone done a study on that? So the one of the big motivating factors behind the tournament was to get these players and coaches to not rest. But at the same time, the NBA also came out with new rules that, yeah, they've been working out really well on players not resting and having to get league approval like you're, you have to get a vacation day approved from your employer two weeks in advance. But And there are extenuating circumstances. But guys, and I've brought this up to you before, why have this tournament then if you've already made new rules on resting? It's redundant. Mm. Justin, let's talk about something that you can answer directly for us. Hard evidence. Uh, The Timberwolves are on top of the West. They played great to start the season. What's going on there? And is what's going on there something that's sustainable for that ball club? I think it can sustain Ray. And this is what we're seeing. This is the biggest difference and something I never thought I'd see. Carl Anthony Towns has learned how to play defense. And we can laugh about it. And I thought that this guy, when he was first drafted, was going to be the center of the future. But he was instant offense. He didn't stop anybody. Kyle can drive by him. Not this year. This year. And remember, guys, they have Rudy Gobert in the middle. So Carl Anthony Towns is playing at the elbow a lot. Big time matchup problem, but he's improved his footwork from what I've seen. I've been watching this on a microscopic standpoint because it's improved drastically. I mean, if you think about it, he's one of the top six or seven best defensive power forwards in the league now. And that's been making a huge difference. 
And then Minnesota Timberwolves also run a pretty slow pace. So when you've got two trees in the middle like those guys and you're running at the slow pace, teams are going to be out of their comfort zone a bit. And a few of my friends from up north in New York were asking me, oh, the Knicks, I mean, they should be able to beat Minnesota. And I was like, I wouldn't I wouldn't all of a sudden put all your eggs and start betting on the Knicks here because as good as the Knicks have been, Minnesota's defense has been superb. Jaden McDaniels is an underrated defender that they have on the wing. He's excellent. And now you've got two strong wing defenders with McDaniels and Towns and a nice veteran to lead with Mike Conley. They've got a good recipe there because with all that defense comes tremendous offense from Anthony Edwards. So I think that this can sustain. Are they going to end the season as the top team? Probably not, but I don't think they're going to be in the play-in tournament this year. Yeah, number one right now in the West, that T-Wolves team. They're uh, 10-3 and after the win against the Knicks last night. Justin Fitzerman hanging out with us. Uh, looking ahead to tonight, Phoenix, who is uh, not at the top of the West. In fact, they're, what, seventh, I think, right now um, yep. in the Western Conference. Off to a bit of a slow start. They've been trying to get all three of the big pieces together. Impossible, um, Kyle. Impossible. Yeah, it is impossible, and it ain't going to happen for the next few weeks. I want to talk about Bradley Beal, who was the big offseason addition. Uh, even on night one, he didn't play because of a back injury. And I guess the back has gotten no better. He, they're going to sit him for like three, four weeks, I guess, and not play at all with this back injury. Long-term concerns this year with Beal? I mean, is he ever going to be right, do you think, for the Suns? Back injuries are scary in basketball. You can't move. And this guy's expected to run the point for the Suns. We're going to try to move a little bit quicker. It's going to be hard for him. And that's why, and I've gotten into a lot of arguments with people about this, why Devin Booker is a little bit more familiar should be running the point. He should be. That's his role at this point. You have to think with Beal's health that once he's able to play, you, you don't want that wear and tear to come quickly. So you want to keep him maybe out there at the arc waiting to be fed shots. And he's a very good shooter. I don't know why they would want him to still run the point. And Kevin Durant will bring up the ball a good amount. So it's a mess. It reminds me of what the Nets were dealing with back when they had their big three with Durant. Irving and Harden and you never saw them play this is getting frustrating guys because how are we supposed to predict futures and give betting advice on this team down the road especially with the good odds when we don't know at this point and that's the risk with the Suns anyway the Suns have a very small window very small opening to that window and that's because Kevin Durant can't stay healthy so it's going to be hard Kyle and right now those that have a guy like Eric Gordon, who's been decent for fantasy. Grayson Allen helps you a bit with your scoring. Yeah, right now Eric Gordon's been good, but once Bradley Beal comes back and he's ready to roll, then he becomes irrelevant. And I'm wondering where Yusuf Nurkic's offense goes when Beal comes back because he's still their big man in the middle and they can design pick and rolls for him. If you want to get more of Justin Fensterman and his hoops talk, obviously over at fantasyguru.com, use that promo code FSD20. Uh, he's in Discord, he's writing articles, all that good stuff, and join us here on the show. Uh, let's talk about Run TMC, otherwise known as the Pacers. We got the Pacers scoring like 125 points a game, Justin. It's a throwback to years gone past. Great offense. Uh, what's going on long-term with the Pacers? I know Halliburton is someone the, that we all can lean on, but what else is going on here? They're scoring so many damn points. Well, they're one of the best shooting teams in the league from distance and in general, top five shooting team in both categories. And they've been great, and they shoot quickly. They remind me – you mentioned Run TMC – they remind me of the mid-90s Orlando Magic. The mid-90s Orlando Magic were a team that really revolutionized, hey, use the three ball, stop and pop. Don't always just go attacking the rack. And they had the shooters to do it with Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, et cetera. But with this team, that's exactly what they're doing. And Tyrese Halliburton moves quickly. This team moves quickly. I and mean, we got a monster total tonight between them and the Hawks at 250. Yeah, it's like 251 tonight. It is, man. You never see that. You never see totals that high. But you've got two high-octane offenses. And Indiana doesn't play a lick of defense. And that's going to hurt them long term that's going to be a problem for them they can put up all the offense that they want i love tyrese halliburton we've been hitting props as part of the elite mafia on halliburton going after those points and assist props but man he is excellent but at the same time they got to be able to turn away plays too and they just don't they they're just so lazy on defense it's almost like it's a race to 125 with them well and you mentioned tonight i know you'll have the dfs column and then the cheat sheet coming out later today how about that game like the other i think there's five games on the slate yes and the other four are you gotta have players. exposure you gotta like, have how exposure many guys here. in a game with has a 250 total right on a five game slate how many dudes 
questions from the Pacers and Hawks you think you'll have? So there's good chalk and bad chalk. And Tyrese Halliburton is going to be great chalk. You just eat it. You know, and a lot of us in the Discord, and I feel like I'm almost speaking to our DFS Discord, worry about ownership percentages. In cash games, don't worry about ownership. Don't worry about it at all. Get the players who you know have great matchups. And that's where our coverage comes in. GPPs, okay. You want to worry a little bit about ownership. It's a five-game slate. You need exposure to this game. I want Halliburton. And then I actually want to look on the other side at the Hawks forwards. Maybe go with a guy like DeAndre Hunter, who in a high-octane, fast-paced environment, he can score a little bit more, get more shots. Maybe a Jalen Johnson can also be out there getting more rebounds as well because of the lack of defense on both ends. So that's how I would attack this game. I'm going Halliburton. And then I'm looking at where the value lies. And for Atlanta, that's in their forward spot. As an outside basketball person, Justin, um, I see James Harden. I just want him to go away. Tired of the act. Uh, want nothing to do with the guy. I don't like watching him play. You know, but he loves Draymond Green. I, I, well, that's the thing. I was going to say it's one of the two guys. You either hate one or the other, right? Um, well, at least Draymond Green plays Harden. And, and anyway, we'll go to the whole thing. Um, what are the Clippers doing with James Harden? Like, Draymond Green fits into an offense. Harden changes an offense. What are the Clippers doing now that they have James Harden, Justin? Well, as James Harden admitted, he is the system. He's not part of the systematic (laughs) offense. He is the system. Just what you want to hear, right? You got a whole nice scheme, and this guy comes in, this clown comes in, and says, yeah, he's the system. Screw whatever you're doing. Such a clown. But what the Clippers are doing, brilliant. They've changed their starting lineup because I was thinking about that. Westbrook and Harden in the same lineup doesn't really work out. Now you bring Westbrook in off the bench. He wanted to come in off the bench too. I think it's brilliant. This guy is going to be that nice change of pace option for the Clippers that tend to move a little bit more on the slower side historically as well, but over the last few years. But this guy can come in now with Westbrook coming in with the second unit, and he can completely turn the pace up. And I think it's a smart way to do it. They've been having a guy like Terrence Mann start with James Harden. James Harden's going to be running the point a bit more. So, Ray, I like it better for James Harden. For those with Westbrook, unfortunately, controls a little bit out of your own destiny now because he's coming in off the bench. He will get a lot of minutes, but James Harden is going is a very ball-dominant player. So we can expect those assists like we saw last night. He was actually, guys – in my core four last night, wanted a little bit more of a return on the point side. My research kind of indicated that maybe the points were a concern. I love the assists and the price point that he's at, sub 8K. So I'm still, I would still go after him, which is why I did it for the core four. So with James Harden now with Westbrook on the bench and coming in off the bench, I like this lineup a little bit better. And it scares me because kind of like the Suns, this team stays healthy. You got a healthy Paul George, Kawhi Leonard for once going into the playoffs. That You don't want to face that team. Uh, Justin, as you noted, uh, you came up in a very formal way today, button up and all that because of the holiday, two days away from Thanksgiving. Um, to conclude the visit, we might as well go around the Thanksgiving table and, and you can uh, connect the dots on some fantasy players. Got a few questions for you. Kind of rapid fire. But um, yep. first off, fantasy turkey thus far this season. Who's Who's been the, the joker yeah, the letdown, if you will, in, in fantasy circles. I can't speak poorly enough about Jordan Poole. I mean, the world is his oyster in Washington, and he's averaging fewer than 17 points per game. I mean, that would be great if he was maybe running the point and averaging seven or eight assists along with it. That would save his value. But everybody would say, oh, you overdraft this guy. It's a desert out there. No <laughs> one knows if he's going to be able to score. It's Kuzma and him, and his shooting is awful forces up these shots and and that's why when we hit our bet last night on fantasy gurus discord with milwaukee minus 10 while jordan Poole was actually playing very well in the offensive standpoint he takes so many stupid shots you know milwaukee's going to take advantage so he's not that good of a shooter and he's not giving us anything else as well so that's definitely the fantasy turkey kyle okay from turkey to pumpkin pie pumpkin pie is something that's totally fine it's you know i don't love it or anything but it's fine but it should only be like in November, maybe a little of October. So for our fantasy pumpkin pie, um, who's a guy who's off to a good start, but you think this is going to fade away? Like come December, this this guy's not going to be much of anything, you think? Well, and I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit and take from the back end of what you just asked me and say Skylar Mays from the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers have been down a few guards. Anthony Simons has been hurt. Malcolm Brogdon, he's getting healthier, but he's been out. Scoot Henderson has been out as well. So Skylar Mays has actually taken advantage of – 
the lack of guards in Portland, and he's been running the point, and he's been contributing a lot of points and assists as well. But Brogdon's getting healthy, and the other guys are going to come back. This guy's going to be sliding back down the bench. So he's got maybe another couple of weeks before his value starts to really sink. The, the flip side of the comfort that is offered by the pumpkin pie is the excitement of a shot of wild turkey. Because so, <laughs> you can't have Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, we we know from experience during our Vegas days, boys. <laughs> so give, give me the shot of wild turkey, a guy that'll, that'll – uh, Make December exciting. Like, he'll be so good, you'll, you'll be pumped. Is there a waiver wire guy that you're feeling right now? Yes. I just don't know how much of December he's going to be that wild of, of a turkey, but I'll say <laughs> this. When it comes to Lonnie Walker the fourth, he's been an excellent fill-in scorer for Brooklyn. I was actually – not worried about it when Cam Thomas went on. Like they have another, they have enough scores, but Lonnie Walker has definitely etched that role for him. He gets a lot of shots. He's been putting up a lot of points as well. We'll up run the point a little bit too. So I'll have more usage on that front. So with Lonnie Walker still being valuable until Cam Thomas, Ben Simmons, those guys come back. I think he's got another few weeks of nice high octane scoring before those guys come back. And then he'll be in a bigger competition for shots because Cam Thomas, he takes a lot of shots in wild Turkey. And, and yeah, <laughs> well, the last one is our stuffing, our, our surprise stuffing. Um, not that they're stuffing all eight or all nine categories, but just is keep there the a, raisins out of it, Kyle. No, yeah, right. What? Come yeah. on. Yeah, I'm with you. Celery should be as close as you get to like any vegetable. Or Thank fruit. you. Absolutely. Ray, Ray seems to dispute that. Well, you put apples in your stuffing, Ray? I have had apples in my stuffing. That's not my, it's not my favorite way to have it, though. Apples, yeah, yeah you know, depends. if you put the stuffing in the bird, actually, I think it's good with apples. If you're doing the stuffing separately, no. I'm doing the stuffing out of the box, Ray. The red <laughs> Stove top city, huh? Yeah. Um, but but fantasy-wise, Justin, um, a surprising stat sheet stuffer. Who's who's a guy who's doing more across the board than you thought thus far? I mean, for me, I mean, you got to look at Scotty Barnes. I mean, he's been excellent. And we all knew that he was going to have some time to run the point with Fred Van Vliet gone. But boy, I didn't think the stats would be this extreme. And we saw it very early on. And while the Raptors move at a very slow pace, he's kind of the outlier on the team. He moves very quickly. He's not afraid. He'll just drive when he gets possession of the ball. So he'll have time to run the point and it'll become a matchup problem. So Scotty Barnes is there. And then I want to turn your attention to someone who just came back. Miles Bridges from the Hornets. He's been having some legal issues he's been dealing with for a while, but now he's been back a few games and you even saw it in the game versus Boston last night. Points, boards, steals. This guy's making an impact and he's still cheap in DFS, but not for long. Justin, awesome stuff. Um, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, are you cooking or are you going to somebody? Did you find somebody to cook for you? I am actually riding solo this year. I'm going to be staying home. And yeah, you know, listen, we got a lot of work to do. We got um, two monster slates when it comes to the NBA on Wednesday and Friday. So got a lot going on there. Hey, we're still also for football. We're still in prime playoff clinch and mode here. So no lunch breaks, not even for holidays, guys. But you all know that. So, so you're sending your family. Out, take care of business, folks. I'm staying home so I can get ready for football and basketball. Look hey, man, guy. we, we got to work. It's the nature of our business and the sacrifices we make. Wow. I know. I, it's sad. I know. This guy's much more Ray Flowers than I thought. You guys need to come on. Family time, right? But, but Kyle, I mean, who's who's going to do the write-ups, though? That's the, We still have write-ups and everything. I don't know, Ray. Don't you schedule this? Have somebody do it. <laughs> Ray, Ray's not the, Armando the boss schedules it. Yeah, so. well, okay. yeah. I don't know. Hit up Ani, Bonder. I don't know. One of these guys can do it. Come on. Just put it on them, huh? Okay. Yeah. I'm just Hit up Ani. That's Ani. funny. Hey, Ani doesn't have a – he has a family. He's not married, though. I mean, he's a single guy. He's he not single. Him. He's He's been in, oh. like, an eight-year relationship. Oh, okay. No, like a four-year relationship. Something well, like well, we got to find the single dudes on the staff. I yeah, man. But, you know, that's how it goes. It's just a very busy time, and sometimes you're on the shift, and sometimes you're not. So, yeah, I'm going to be holding down the fort, doing a lot of content, football, basketball. Basketball, all that jazz. God love your wife and daughter, man. Putting up yes. with this. Guy. I hope they still love me after this holiday. Yeah. I mean, I gotta take Ray, Ray demands. Let's take a full week off between Justin visits. I get Ray, it. Ray just Kyle, Ray just needs off Halloween. You know, that's all he cares about. Which he did right. not take off this year. Yes, that's yeah, true. I know. 
I was working hard here. I had the mustache and the whole thing. Listen, that's what we do. We're an elite mafia. There are no lunch breaks. We don't fall asleep. We've got content to put out. We've got stuff to win. We got to do it. And with that, I remind you, I won't be here Friday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ray will. Ray is going to be here, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that elite. I mean, come mm. on. Uh, Justin, take care, man. Good visit. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. You bet. Happy Thanksgiving. Now, we will be here Thanksgiving morning, Ray and myself. Ray, Ray kind of guilted me into being here Thanksgiving morning. I should be making stuffing then, Ray, but I'm going to hang out with you to break down the Packers and the Lions. I hope you're happy. Well, I th- I'm just thinking of the folks, Kyle, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, well, uh, and Justin's right, and I hope th- I hope that the listeners and followers appreciate it. Because, you know, while everyone else is seeing their family, which might be work for some people, right? We're, we're still trying at FantasyGuru.com to make this a normal week, right? And I mean, like, for my article that comes out Thursday, my, you know, 15,000-word thing on the matchup i'm trying to get it out wednesday because mm-hmm. i know you know the game start early on thursday morning so we're all doing our best this week here both on the show and over at the website um i may be doing mimosas thursday morning right we could do that get yeah, ready for thanksgiving probably do that yeah i'm thinking that uh we will be here thursday and uh, ray's gonna be here friday normal times 11 a.m eastern i think the uh, first game on thanksgiving day that lions packers game is a 12 30 kickoff uh, so we'll be on well before that game starts. And we'll kind of break things down from a DFS perspective. Uh, there might be some start sit things going on. It's it's always a pain in the neck. They have to make those decisions on Thursday morning. And you're worried about guys on Sunday. Uh, so we'll do our best to uh, check that out coming up on Thursday. So shows all week uh, here at uh, FG.com. Uh, last thing, Ray, Major League Baseball. A uh, couple of things. Lance Lynn inked with the Cardinals. That news came out right after Ray and I signed off. So uh, if you care, he gets a one-year contract with the Cardinals. Uh, sounds like a lot of the other big-name free agents, not named Aaron Nola, guys like Snell, guys like Sonny Gray, uh, maybe even Jordan Montgomery, uh, those guys are supposedly maybe going to wait until the Japanese import Yamamoto signs. He was posted yesterday to free agency. A lot of excitement about him, unlike all the other guys. Uh, what is he, Ray, 25? I think that's right, yep. Yeah, he's about five years younger than everybody else available, so... We'll see how that works out. And then I mentioned the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, Ray, new names this year. And like I said, this is a hall of very good. This is a ballot of very good players. David Wright, Adrian Beltre, Jose Bautista, Bartolo Colon, um, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, holdovers like Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran. I mean, there's probably 100 all-star berths just in that list of names, Ray. Uh, we'll just have to see who's going to get the vote. Helton came really close last season. You think he'll get – I, I kind of feel like things got really crowded all of a sudden for Todd yeah. Helton and the like. And that's the problem, I think, that there is – you know, there's a limit of 10, right? It's 10 still, players you can vote for, and uh, it gets tight. Helton's interesting because, you know, we had the – it was all course field, then people started looking into it a little bit more, and they're like, well, you know, so I think he's fascinating. I think there's a chance. I think Andrew Jones is fascinating because, you know yeah. – he he was for 10 years, he was a Hall of Famer. He was a strong offensive player and he was the best defensive outfielder in the game, one that people said was, you know, historically great, right? And then he toileted. He pulled an Adam, he pulled an Adam Dunn where it just stopped. So it was that huge. And then um Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, these are guys that at times were considered the best player in their Beltre's in their league. Gotta get in, doesn't he? I don't know if it's first ballot, but he's absolutely into the Hall of Fame. You I said Beltre, right? Yeah, Beltre. Yeah, I think you're right. He, plus, his attitude too, positive attitude, played a long time, milestone numbers. Yeah. You know, in the case of Joe Maurer, uh, Joe Maurer was a basketball player, a football player, a baseball player, tremendous athlete. He had a couple of fantastic seasons, but there were injuries. He didn't have the big home run totals, right? So Chase Utley, we talked about earlier in the show. So this is Billy Wagner still floating around, who yeah. I think, you know, some of the other names that get considered. I don't know why he's not in there. Uh, it's It'll be interesting. I think Beltre's the, got the best chance of the group and we'll see how the rest plays out. Yeah. I, I think Helton Ray, I, there's probably still a bit of the Colorado factor holding him back because he's got some pretty impressive numbers, but Absolutely. everybody says, Oh, your career was at Coors. Right. Uh, he got to 72% last year. 75 is what you got to get to. I, I think the fact that Roland got in a guy like Todd Helton's getting in, I, I think. And, and usually when you get all the way up to 72, you're going to get in. That's uh, usually the way it works in the Hall of Fame. Uh, quick start set question, Ray. David 
Uh, do you sit green bean casserole and start stuffing for Thursday? I'm all stuffing all the time. 100%. Uh, yeah. Absolutely stuffing. There's, uh, there is no debate. Stuffing green bean casserole. Okay, that's, that's the punting unit. <laughs> all right, we want stuffing. Green bean casserole is the emergency starter. There you go. Third quarterback. Yeah. There you go. Which I, I don't, green bean casserole takes a bit of a hit. I don't hate it. It's okay. Just a little though. That's yeah. all I need. I, I don't need much beyond that. Uh, okay. It's here. Maybe more Thanksgiving fun tomorrow. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Big thanks to Justin Finsterman. Thanks to Ray Flowers. Thanks to everybody um, in the chat. Sign up to get the uh, automatic download of our audio uh cast that's usually up within 20 30 minutes if you ever miss us at 11 o'clock eastern uh you can always have it boom into your phone or whatever device you have and ready to go and to uh listen at your leisure and make sure if people are looking for fantasy news and entertainment over thanksgiving you tell them to sign up with the uh, fantasy sports daily show jump on the youtube channel all that good stuff uh ray have a great night we'll uh talk tomorrow love it kyle you have a good one too this has been Fantasy Sports Daily right here, powered by FantasyGuru.com.